Well, we are now going to shift gears and look at James. This is our summer sermon series. And uh, we're going to start this morning in this great book of wisdom. Some have called the Bible a word from another world. A word from another world. And that's really what the Bible is. It's a great word of absolute truth from another world, from, from God. He, he created us, he created this world, and he gave us his word to guide us uh, throughout life. And the book of James is full of heavenly divine wisdom in our daily practical life. And there are many topics that we're going to cover this summer when we think about James. There are, uh, there are topics such as trials, poverty and riches, favoritism, caring for the poor, watching what we say, worldliness, boasting, prayer, and how to deal with illness. I'm sure out of all these topics, you can relate to, if not all of them, many of them. And we're going to cover a, a number of topics this summer and how to deal with these topics and how to deal with it with heavenly wisdom. The book of James is known as the Proverbs of the New Testament as it is filled with a daily instruction on how we are to live for Jesus. And so to start out, I want to read uh, chapter 1, verses 1 through 11. Uh, so turn with me there and let's read it together. Uh, James 1, verse 1 says, James, a servant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ, to the twelve tribes in the dispersion, greetings. Count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds, for you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. And let steadfastness have its full effect, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God, who gives generously to all without reproach, and it will be given him. But let him ask in faith, with no doubting, for the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea that is driven and tossed by the wind. For that person must not suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord. He is a double-minded man, unstable in all his ways. Let the lowly brother boast in his exaltation and the rich in his humiliation, because like a flower of the grass, he will pass away. For the sun rises with its scorching heat and withers the grass. Its flower falls and its beauty perishes. So also will the rich man fade away in the midst of his pursuits. The grass withers and the flowers fall, but the word of the Lord endures forever. One author, he described wisdom as the knowledge of God's world and a knack of fitting oneself into it. The knowledge of God's world and a knack of fitting oneself into it. That's what wisdom is. It's acknowledging that God created this world, that he is sovereign over the world, and it's understanding our place in it. So all of us need to ask ourselves the question sometime in our lives of what is my purpose and why does God have me here in 2023 in East Tennessee in this time in history? What is my role in this world and what is God's purpose for me, that's what wisdom is, and that's what we're going to aim to discover uh, throughout this summer as we journey through this book. I love how James opened up this letter by describing himself as a servant of Jesus Christ. Now, James, who wrote this letter, he was the half-brother of Jesus. We know of at least three different James in the New Testament, but we believe that James, the half-brother of Jesus, wrote this letter because when you read Acts chapter 15 you will see that James was a leader of the Jerusalem church, the Jerusalem council, 
And he gave a couple phrases in Acts 15 that line up with many of the phrases he used in the letter of James. And so scholars believe that James, the half-brother of Jesus, wrote this letter. But what I love about what James does at the very, at the very get-go of this letter is he describes himself as a servant, not as the half-brother of Jesus. Now, let's be honest. If you were related to Jesus and were his half-brother, wouldn't you want people to know that? I know I would. But James, he didn't. Instead, he described himself as a servant. And the word servant, doulos in Greek, means that of slave. James is identifying himself as a slave of Jesus. Jesus is his master, and he is merely a bondservant to Jesus. But James could have called himself the half-brother of Jesus. He could have even called himself an apostle because Paul called James an apostle in Galatians. But yet James didn't do that. He called himself a servant. And he was one of the greatest leaders of the New Testament church. This must tell all of us and remind all of us that the highest ranks in the church are still only servants. The highest ranking pastor or bishop or leader in the church, Pope, is merely just a servant. You know, this week I, I was at a conference and I, in my meeting as I took a break, I looked at my phone and I had 15 messages from you. And it was 15 different people who told me, Seth, Harry Reader died. If you don't know who Harry Reader is, Harry Reader was, was one of my spiritual mentors. Uh, Harry Reader was uh, the senior pastor at Briarwood Church, where I grew up in as a kid and for five years in elementary school. And Harry was still the senior pastor at Briarwood as he, as he passed. And what was fascinating is that he, he died suddenly. He died in a car accident. He hit a parked dump truck, and he died suddenly. But one thing that I, I loved about what Harry Reader said, and he said this a number of times the last few years, is he said, he was speaking at different conferences, and he said, you should never have a spiritual hero or a spiritual mentor until they die. And what he meant by that was, <laughs> you should never elevate anybody until they die because they still have room to fall. And in my 15 years of ministry so far, I've seen friends, I've seen pastors who have fallen. They haven't finished well. And I could name you a number of them who have not finished well. I even know a lot of believers who don't finish well. But I'm pleased to say that my dear friend, Harry Reader, finished well. And I can now say he was a spiritual mentor to many, not just me. But here's the thing about Harry Reader. When he entered heaven, when he entered heaven, Jesus said, "Well done, good and faithful servant." It doesn't matter the status you have in the church or in any position of authority even outside the church, you're merely a servant of Christ. That's it. And that's how James described himself. He said, "I'm just merely a servant. I'm not even though I'm the bishop of the Jerusalem church and the half-brother of Jesus and an apostle, I'm a servant." And then James went on to, 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 to write to his audience and describing his audience. He said, to the 12 tribes in the dispersion. The word dispersion is diaspora in Greek. It means to sow or to scatter. So just like a farmer would scatter seeds. So James was writing to a Christian audience, a Jewish Christian audience, who had been scattered uh, throughout the nations. 
They represented the 12 tribes of the Old Testament of God's people. And now there were no longer 12 tribes, but God's people had been scattered throughout pagan worlds. So James was writing specifically to those believers in Christ who had been scattered throughout the regions. And really, he's writing to us today because we're scattered. Even though we're in the United States of America, this is not heaven. It's far from it. And so we feel like pagans, or we feel like Christians in a pagan world, rather. In the same way James was writing to Christians in living in foreign lands. And as he's writing them, as he wrote them, he he talked all about gaining heavenly wisdom. And what does it look like to receive divine wisdom? And right off the bat, he gives us three things in which we must do to gain heavenly wisdom. The first thing, we must learn to endure hardship. The second thing, we need to ask God for wisdom with faith. And the third thing we must do to gain wisdom is to stay humble and don't trust in your riches. So the first thing that we need to do is we need to endure hardship to gain wisdom. We must not give up or give in. James chapter 1, verse 2, he said, Count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds, for you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. Now, when James said, count it all joy when you meet trials of various kinds, he's not saying we should be happy when we go through trials. The word count it all is the word consider. And this word is more of a thought than it is of an emotion. James is not telling us how to feel but rather how to think about one's circumstances. We are to think joyfully when we go through trials. We are not, when we go through hardship, we're not to feel happy about it. You know, when you suffer and go through hard times, you shouldn't say, oh, thank you, Lord, this is great. No, you should, it should be about your mental perspective, what you're thinking about as you go through the trials is really what matters most because we know that Christians will face trials. And in verse 2, James described various kinds of trials. So what are various kinds of trials? Well, it could be persecution when we deal with conflict from non-believers. It could be doubting our faith. It could be being worried or afraid. It could be facing tribulations such as sickness or poverty or anxiety, as I mentioned. It could also be how we deal with prosperity A trial is a test. God is testing you when you go through hardship and when you go through suffering, when you endure trials. As I think about this, I think about Abraham in Genesis 22, how God tested him to see where his allegiance fell. Abraham was was so grateful for his son, and he even put his son above God at one point, and God said, hold on a second. Who should you love most and serve most? It's me. And he asked Abraham to sacrifice Isaac, his son, and Abraham was willing to do it. But God spared the life of Isaac because Abraham was willing to do it. Abraham passed the test of the trial that he was presented. In Numbers chapter 14, God's people did not pass the test or the trial. They were in the wilderness and they were grumbling and griping and complaining and murmuring amongst themselves. They were arguing amongst themselves because they had very little food and water to drink. And so they were complaining and grumbling. They did not pass the test of 
faith. So as we think about wisdom, we must think about how trials are inevitable, and it's what we do with them when they come that matters most. It's what we do with the trials when they come that matters most. James was saying here that we grow strong through adversity. You know that Kelly Clarkson song, what doesn't kill you makes you stronger. You grow through adversity. That's what wisdom is. And we should embrace our trials for what they are and also know that God can accomplish great things through us as we endure hardship. Notice he, he used the word steadfastness. Steadfastness, it means staying power, constancy, endurance. You know what endurance is? It's faith being stretched out, stretched out. Our faith is proven when we endure hardship. That's why he used the phrase in verse 4, let steadfastness have its full effect that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. He's not saying we're going to be perfect as we endure hardship. He's saying we're going to be mature. We're going to become mature and more mature. The word perfect is teleos in Greek. It means mature. So what James is getting at is as you're enduring hardship, your faith is maturing. You're growing in wisdom. You know, I love talking to war veterans, and when I talk to them, they just swell up with pride because they'll talk about their war stories. And I love when they talk amongst each other about their war stories. I think all of you have probably experienced that in some time in your life. You talk to these veterans, and they just swell up with pride. Why? Because they endured incredible hardship. They went through war. They lost friends. Some of them lost limbs. But yet they got out of it, and they said, oh, we made it. We endured it. You know, my commander, he tells us to embrace the stink. He actually says it more in a vulgar way, but embrace the stink. What does he mean by that? He's saying, when things are hard, you embrace it. You embrace it. That's what James is getting at. You embrace it because we know as Christians, things aren't going to be easy. It's going to be hard. We're going to live in a difficult world. But this is not the final destination for us. The world that we will one day be in will be perfect. No longer hardships, no longer will we face hardship or trials or endure suffering or pain. Some of you are in pain physically and it's not going away. You know, one of the best advices, I've said it before that I got from another mentor of mine, Mike Osborne. He said, you know, you may not be delivered from your pain, but God will promise to help you through it. And I think that's what James is getting at. You may not be delivered from the chronic pain you're dealing with or the cancer you're fighting right now or the rebellious teen. You're, you may not be delivered from this, but God promises to help you through it. There's other passages that come to mind when I think about this first point, Romans 5. Not only that, but we rejoice in our sufferings knowing that suffering produces endurance and endurance produces character and character produces hope. A great reminder of what suffering can produce in us maturity, wisdom. 1 Peter 1, in this you rejoice, though now for a little while, if necessary, you have been grieved by various trials so that the tested genuineness of your faith, more precious than gold that perishes, though it is tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Another great passage to talk about the genuineness of our faith as we're enduring hardship. So how do we become wise? We don't give in and we don't give up easily. 
we keep going. We endure hardship. And as we're going through hard times, we ask the Lord, Lord, what are you teaching me right now? What can I learn from this trial right now? Because you're obviously teaching me something. And it may be the wisdom you need to get you through it. So the way of wisdom first is to endure hardship. The second thing James goes into is we ask God for wisdom with faith and we don't hesitate. We do so without mental reservation. Verse five, if any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God who gives generously to all without reproach and it will be given to him. To request wisdom in the midst of trial is what God intends for his people. As we go through trials, we need to request wisdom from God. And notice how verse 5 said that he will give to us generously. The word generously means simply or singularly. It's as if it's saying here that God's giving us his undivided, unwavering intent. That's his intent to give us wisdom. He's solely focused on giving us wisdom. Now, this does not mean that all we have to do when we go through trials is just quickly ask God for wisdom and he'll just immediately give it to us. That's not what it means here. James assumes that the believers he was writing to and us today, that we know the book of Proverbs, that we know the word of God, which constantly reminds us to study wisdom and understand it, to understand God and his ways. So let's go to Proverbs 2 as an example. Proverbs 2 was a father writing wisdom and advice and counsel to his son. And Proverbs 2 says, My son, if you receive my words and treasure up my commandments with you, making your ear attentive to wisdom and inclining your heart to understanding, if you seek it like silver and search for it as for hidden treasures, then you will understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God. What was this dad saying to his son? He's saying, son, if you want to gain wisdom, you search for it. You diligently seek after it. You dig for it just as a person would dig for treasure or would dig for silver and gold. You know, silver and hidden treasure are located underneath the ground. They require a lot of digging to find it. The fact that the treasures are hidden implies that the treasures are not on top of the ground, obvious for anybody to see. Why would God make wisdom available for anyone to pick it up too easily? Too easily? Why, why wouldn't he do that? Well, it's too valuable. He doesn't want people to pick it up who intend not to use it. But instead, it's as if he put treasure in the ground and he intended for those who really intend to use it to dig deep and find it and search until they find it. I bring that up because just as we are called, or just as a gold miner is digging deep to find gold and treasure, so we are called to dig deep to find wisdom from God. And a great way to find wisdom is what we're doing this summer, going through the book of James, going through the book of Proverbs. And as we ask God for wisdom, he will give it to us. But again, we've got to do the searching. We've got to do the digging. And there's really two ways in which you can gain wisdom. One is by diligently searching in God's scriptures. But the other way in which you can gain wisdom is through life experience. I love talking to older people and asking them, hey, how have you survived marriage for 50 years? Or, hey, how have you survived this career for 30 years? 
Or, hey, how did you get through that trial? Or, or how did you raise kids that are still in church today? What, what was your secret? And most of the time when I hear from them is what not to do. <laughs> they say, well, I can tell you all my failures. I can tell you where I went wrong. And boy, did I make a lot of mistakes. That can free you from a lot of heartache and headache. And I'm like, thank you. And I write those down. Um, but the reality is, is yes, we're all going to make mistakes, but we can learn from our mistakes. And we gain wisdom through life experience. And that's really what James is getting at. If you want to seek wisdom, and if you want to gain wisdom, you ask the Lord for it. He'll reveal it to you through life circumstances or through his word. But here's the thing. Once we believe that God has given us the wisdom, we don't need to doubt it. If we believe God is leading us in a direction and we've diligently prayed about it, we've really sought counsel from other believers, we've looked into the scriptures, then just move forward. Don't second guess the decisions you make in life. And, I, and I'm so glad it's high school graduation day and, 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 and we're focusing on seniors of high school and, and college and post-grad because you're thinking about your future. You're gonna be making a lot of first-time decisions coming up. Like, where do I go to school? What do I major in? What do I do? Where do I live? How do I buy a car? How do I buy a house? Who do I marry? What do I do the rest of my life? Where, where do I move to? You're gonna make all these first decisions that will really impact a lot of your life. Don't let that stress you out. But as you're thinking about that, I want you to think about how God gives us wisdom from his word. And as you're making these decisions, pray about it, seek his counsel, seek other believers' counsel, look into his word, and then make a decision. It's not that, it's not rocket science. But so many people, as James described, are like the double-minded man, and they're tossed to and fro like waves in a sea. And they can't land the plane with a decision. You've, all, you've probably heard that statement, too much analysis is paralysis, or it leads to paralysis. If you analyze so much, you just are paralyzed where you can't move forward, and, and you're just frozen. So whether you're a graduate or whether you're an adult who's been in a career for 20 years and you have a big decision to make, trust the Lord. Pray about it. Seek counsel. Make a decision. Just do something. And don't second-guess yourself. But a lot of times, people second-guess themselves. And they're frozen in fear and doubt and worry. And that's exactly what James is talking about here in verses 6 through 8. But let him ask in faith with no doubting. For the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea that is driven and tossed by the wind. For that person must not suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord. He is a double-minded man, unstable in all his ways. You know, doubts and worry, they bring confusion. And they make you unstable and inconsistent in life. What James is saying here is ask in faith and don't doubt it. Keep moving forward. Don't second guess yourself. If, if God is leading you in a direction and you've done your homework and you've prayed about it, then be at peace. Be at peace and move forward. Otherwise, you're going to be like the double-minded man who is divided and, and really has two minds and two souls and you're living in a state of confusion. Or you're going to be like a person on a sea where you're in waves and you're just getting sick because you're moving to and fro. You know, there was one thing I learned about myself the last few years, and it's very unpleasant, is that I get motion sickness when I'm out in the water. And I learned it the hard way. My wife and I were enjoying a beautiful day in Hawaii, of all places, on a vacation. We're in Hawaii. First time ever. We loved it. And we're out. We're going to go snorkeling. 
And so we're out on this boat and we're going through, we're going in this beautiful, clear, crystal, crystal clear water. We're going to go snorkeling and all of a sudden my stomach starts to churn, not in a good way. And I'm thinking, uh-oh, this is not good. And I'm thinking, Lord, just, just get me to where we can stop and I can just get away from the crowd and my wife. I don't want them to see what's about to go down. And fortunately, we stopped. I literally jumped into the water. I don't even think I had my snorkel with me. And they're probably wondering, what in the world is this guy doing? I swam away. And that's where I just let it go. <laughs> Excuse me, that was vulgar. But that's what happened. Nobody saw it, fortunately. But I swam back to the boat. And what did I do on the boat? But I just sprawled out and I said, I'm done. And they got me back to shore. And fortunately, I made it out okay. I realized I could have never joined the Coast Guard or the Navy. Woo! That was a rough day. What happens when you experience turbulence and the waves? You get sick. That's who the double-minded is, the double-minded man. He gets sick. So again, don't be the double-minded man, but instead live in faith and ask the Lord for wisdom and he will give it to you. This reminds me of Psalm 1. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers, but his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. He is like a tree that's planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in its season, and its leaf does not wither. In all that he does, he prospers. The wicked are not so, but they are like chaff that the wind blows away. The wicked are like the double-minded man, like chaff where the wind blows them away. But the believer in Christ is like a tree that's firmly grounded and rooted. They're rooted in the word of God so that when the winds come, the tree can withstand the storm. So how do we gain wisdom? We ask the Lord in faith that he will give us wisdom and we don't doubt it. The third thing that James tells us uh, to receive wisdom, the way in which we can receive wisdom, is to stay humble and not rely so heavily on riches and possessions. Verse 9 through 11, let the lowly brother boast in his exaltation and the rich in his humiliation, because like a flower of the grass, he will pass away. For the sun rises with its scorching heat and withers the grass. Its flower falls and its beauty perishes. So also will the rich man fade away in the midst of his pursuits. We will see in the coming weeks that there's a common theme in James of money and how to handle money and possessions. And in this passage, he's describing money and our possessions and the rich as that of a beautiful flower. The beautiful flower is compared to the beauty of a wealthy man's busy life, and all of the hurrying about to maintain success and influence is soon lost. So what James is telling us is don't pursue wealth just for the sake of being wealthy. Don't pursue to be rich so that you can live in great security and comfort and enjoy this life. Don't just make that your aim and your pursuit in life because it will flee you quickly and you won't be able to hold on to it forever. It will pass just like a flower passes away. Last week, I gave my mom and my wife flowers for Mother's Day like many of you did. And I noticed this morning... The flowers in the vase are starting to die a week later. Flowers, beautiful flowers. They're beautiful. They smell great, but they die. In the same way, our power, our possessions will fade. They will die. 
And so again, graduates in the room and everybody else in the room, as you think about your future, don't get so caught up in the here and now and the hustle and bustle in life and I gotta be successful and I gotta make all this money. Don't let that be your drive. But instead, aim for godliness. And the way that you aim for godliness is you stay humble. You stay humble. And that's exactly what James is talking about. Let the lowly brother boast in his exaltation, the rich in his humiliation, because the riches will soon pass and they will go away and perish, and the rich man will fade away in the midst of his pursuits. So choose wisely as you seek to be humble. Many of you have seen the Indiana Jones movie, and I'm not talking about the the newer Indiana Jones movie. I'm talking about the Harrison Ford Indiana Jones movies. Many of you have seen it. In the last Indiana Jones movie, The Last Crusade with Harrison Ford, if you remember, if you've seen that movie, and if you've never seen it, I encourage teenagers and up to watch it, all right? But at the end, Indy, Harrison Ford, he he, he makes it to the final quest, and he reaches his final destination on the journey. And he gets to the end, and he sees this crusader who's an older man with gray hair and wisdom, and he sees a 1,000-plus chalices that he has to choose from. He has to choose one out of a 1,000 cups, and then he dips the cup that he would choose into the holy water, and he would drink the water, and if he chose the right cup, then he would receive the riches and he would win. But if he chose the wrong one, then bad things would happen. Well, as he was searching and looking at the right chalice to choose, in walks his enemy, a Nazi soldier or Nazi gentleman, and he came in and and he wanted to beat Indy. That was his quest is to get the riches and beat Indy. And so he ran around and he found one of the most beautiful, attractive chalices with gold and silver and all these pearls on it. And he says, this must be it. And he dips it in the water and he drinks it. And at first he says, yes, I've won. I've accomplished it. But then within seconds, he quickly turned a hundred years older and his hair grew longer and his face began to sink in and he melted and he died. And the night of the crusade looks over at Indy and he said, he chose poorly. So Indiana Jones, after seeing this, he's devastated. He's thinking, uh-oh, out of a thousand cups here, I got to choose the right one or I'm going to be like that guy. My face will be melted in. And so what did he do? He looked over at the humble carpenter's chalice with no glitz and glamour, no beauty, nothing attractive to it. And he says, this has to be it. Dips it in the water, drinks it. He has this kind of fear on his face, and then he realized he was okay. He chose the right one, and the, the wise crusader looked at Indy, and he said, you chose wisely. He chose wisely. He chose the humble path, and, a, and because of that, he gained wisdom. Do you want to gain wisdom too? Well, in order to gain wisdom, you got to embrace hardship you got to ask the Lord for wisdom with faith and don't doubt it. And then you got to stay humble. And if you do those things, my friend, God will give you wisdom and he will help you on your journey in this life. Let's pray.